everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes a Goal podcast. If you're new around here, I'm a late bloomer who discovered the power of goals in his mid-30s. Now, I'm on a furious mission to create the accelerators I wish I had in my 20s. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today we're talking about my five favorite books from 2023. If you love reading books, and you probably do, because if you're listening to a podcast about goals, I bet you like reading as much as I do. You're going to love this episode. But first, let's hear a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode. Hey, this is John Acuff, and I am doing a free three-day live event on January 3rd, 4th, and 5th. It's called the Fail Proof Resolutions Challenge, and it is the perfect kickoff to your new year. I'll be teaching for three days in a row, and here's what you'll learn. Day one, will create and prioritize a massive list of goals together. Did you notice that last word, prioritize? That's a critical one if you want to win all your goals this year. On day two, we'll turn your goals into a checklist so you can actually accomplish them. And on day three, we'll outline the five levels of success you want to hit with your goals. Sign up is free. And if you can't attend live because you have like your own life and taxes and kids and a bunch of stuff going on in January, no worries. We'll send you the video replay so you can watch on your own time. If you want this year to be different than last year, if you want to write that book, declutter that garage, pay off that debt, lose that weight, learn that language, whatever you want to accomplish, this is for you. Don't miss it. 100% free and 100% awesome. Sign up at johnacuff.com slash challenge. That's J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F dot com slash challenge. All right, let's jump into the episode. I'm trying something new. It's really not that new. I've been doing it for a while. I don't know why I keep saying that. But I'm doing something for those wicked busy people out there. I'm doing a 30-second version of this entire podcast episode, just in case you're about to walk into your office, the kids are having a no-nap meltdown, or you just finish your time on the treadmill. It's like, go time. I got to go start my day. I don't have time for like a nine-hour podcast. Alrighty, Here's the entire episode in 30 seconds. My five favorite books in 2023. Number one, Dickens and Prince, A Particular Kind of Genius by Nick Hornby. Number two, The Road Less Stupid, Advice from the Chairman of the Board by Keith J. Cunningham. Number three, Slow Horses, the entire series by Mick Herron. Number four, Mad World, an oral history of new wave artists and songs that define the 1980s by Lori Majeski and Jonathan Bernstein. And number five, Zen and the Art of Writing by Ray Bradbury. All right, do you have more than 30 seconds? I hope you do. It's Christmas. This episode is dropping on Christmas. Maybe you're listening like today at the end of the day. I always find the end of the day of Christmas a little sad to me. Like once Christmas is over, I'm like, ooh, it feels like a bummer. Like from the 26th to the 1st feel kind of like a bummer to me. So maybe you're like, I'm going to listen to a podcast to encourage me. Maybe this is next week when you're listening to and it's in the future and you're starting your work week, you're driving back to work. Maybe you only got a couple days off and you're headed back into the office. Whenever you're listening to this, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I think you're going to because we're going to talk about books, and these are five very different books. I have an eclectic collection for you today. So I read 85-ish books in 2023. I say ish because there are still a few days left in the year, and maybe I'll use some of that time that I just said from the 26th to the 1st to read, to catch up on some books that I put off. So I said ish because I think I still might finish at like 87, 88. How did I read that many? Well, the answer to that is the title of my new book, All It Takes is a Goal. You see, I realized years ago that I could get almost anything I want in life 
all it takes is a goal. And I say almost because I will, I will never be able to dunk a basketball. And I've, I've made peace with that. In fact, I looked it up once. There are only seven people in the entire history of the NBA who were my height or shorter. Seven. Seven players. And they all had nicknames like Muggsy and Spud. Not encouraging as a teenager. Not encouraging. But I wanted to read more. So I turned it into a goal. And then guess what? I read more. It was very easy. I'll show you the exact steps in my book. If you don't have a copy of All It Takes a Goal yet, you can get it anywhere books are sold. I read the audio. There's a ton of bonus stories in the audio. So definitely pick up a copy of that. Now, if you have a big New Year's resolution, um, a massive dream, a tiny hope, or anything even remotely related to a goal, I really do think you should stop everything and buy a copy of that book. For a few bucks, you can change your entire 2024 And I'll bet it'll even be at your house before the new year begins. Or anywhere books are sold. That's how I read 85-ish books. But why did I? That's a different question, right? Why did I read that many? Well, number one, I enjoy reading. I was the weird kid in elementary school who brought books to sleepovers. Anybody else listening do that? Like, were you that kid where you're just like, just in case that sleepover is boring and I got a few minutes to catch up on some of my books. I still pack so many books when we go on trips. Like Jenny, my wife, will say to me, we're going away for seven days. You won't finish a whole book every day for seven days in a row. And I'm like, I might. I really might. First reason, I enjoy reading. Reason number two, wisdom is worth more than gold. It is. A book is the cheapest, fastest path to the life you want. And the third reason that I read that many books is it turns out I can Turns out I can. That last one has become a personal soundtrack for me. I'm a very naturally anxious person. I have the fears of 10 men. But every time I step out of my comfort zone and attempt a new goal, something crazy happens. I learn the exact same lesson over and over and over again. Here's the lesson I learned. Turns out I can. The scary adventure I was hiding from wasn't so scary after all. Whether that's running a half marathon, starting a business, or in this case, reading a whole bunch of books. I never know until I try, and when I do, I often find out, huh, turns out I can. With that attitude, I jumped into a massive reading list in 2023. Here are my five favorites. Number one, Dickens and Prince, A Particular Kind of Genius by Nick Hornby. Two friends gave me this book on separate occasions, which is always a good sign that you're going to love a book. And God bless friends that'll send you books. People send me two things right now, and it's like my dream life. They mail me books and they mail me Lego sets. And sometimes they even reach out to like my assistant or my wife and they'll be like, hey, does John already have this set? And then they send me a set and I feel like a little kid. Like I have Christmas all year because friends will be like, hey, here's a Lamborghini or here's a Ferrari, here's a Star Wars set. It's the best. But people send me books. And two different friends sent me this book unrelated. Now, Nick Hornby, if that name sounds familiar, is the author of High Fidelity. That's probably his best-selling book. He's written a bunch. Um, But he has this deep, rich love of music that comes through in everything he writes. And this tiny book is no exception. It's not a big book. It's pretty small. And the concept feels like it started out as a conversation with a friend at a coffee shop. Like, it feels like one friend said to another, like, did you ever notice how similar Charles Dickens and Prince were? And, and I personally haven't noticed that, but I'm so glad that Nick did. 
Each chapter skillfully compares and contrasts these two virtuosos, painting this picture that both of them had unquenchable drive and bottomless creativity. One thing that surprised me was that neither one of them was a perfectionist. Dickens wasn't, as Hornby writes, because, quote, he didn't have the time. Like he couldn't produce that many books and also be a perfectionist. And the same is true of Prince. His sound engineer, Susan Rogers, says, quote, he wouldn't have had that output if he'd been a perfectionist. It just poured out of them. He couldn't wait on perfection. I love that sentence. He couldn't wait on perfection. As a recovering perfectionist myself, that was really helpful. How much did Prince produce? Like, have you ever thought about that question? Because Nick answers it. His vault of unreleased songs contains an estimated five to 8,000 songs. And Hornby puts that into context. Prince could release a 10-song album every six months for the next three or 400 years. Three or 400 years. There are five to 8,000 songs in his vault that we've never heard. That's how prolific he was. And the lesson I took from this book is very simple. You can be prolific or perfectionistic, but you can't be both. And ooh, I want to be prolific. Book number two of my favorite five books of 2023 was The Road Less Stupid Advice from the Chairman of the Board by Keith J. Cunningham. How much did I love this book? Well, chapters two through four changed the second half of my 2023. Those three chapters, two, three, and four, kicked off a 600-hour exercise that I will continue in 2024 because it's working so well. I'll share exactly what I learned in my free fail-proof resolutions challenge. I'm doing a three-day challenge where I'm speaking live for three days in a row. If you can't attend live, we'll send you video replays. Check it out. It's johnacuff.com slash challenge. That's johnacuff.com slash challenge. But the summary is that Cunningham does a masterful job teaching you how to think. It's not the typical fuzzy advice about mindset that so many authors spout, but is actually a tactical and practical way to think about thinking. I was immediately convicted about how little real thinking I do. I get a lot done. I, I do. I mean, I am productive. I finish goals. But how much better could they be if I deliberately and strategically thought about them before instantly jumping into action? I, I tend to do that. Anybody else do that? Where like you jump right into doing, right into action. That's, that's kind of my, my mode. So I was curious. And so last July, I started a modified version of his technique and I never looked back. I started practicing thinking time and it's changed my life. Now, the whole book is fantastic. And, and honestly, it contains about 25 times the amount of wisdom that the average book has in it. It's just packed with wisdom and it's really, really readable. Sometimes you hear like packed with wisdom and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to like slowly slog through this thing. Not at all with this book. He, he does so many amazing lessons and then he'll summarize them and be like, here's what that means on a bumper sticker. And I'll summarize it in this really catchy, really hooky way that makes it really easy to understand. Um, even if those, this book didn't contain those three chapters, two, three, and four, which I loved, this book would still be worth the money. So add this one to your list. Number three, Slow Horses. The entire series by Mick Heron. If you read eight books in a series, it's probably it's 
probably safe to say that you like that series. So if you're looking for a brilliantly written, perfectly layered, modern day spy fiction, this is the one. I read eight books in this series. I've read eight books. That's so many for me. I don't have a long attention span. I don't, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know I tend to jump around because I don't have a great attention span. So if something holds my focus for that long, I must really like it. Now, the premise to the series is that MI5, England's version of the FBI, sends any agents who have failed to Slough House, an island of misfit toys who weren't cut out for the big leagues. And they're led by Jackson Lamb, one of my two favorite characters of the last decade. The other one, by the way, is Walt Longmire. Craig Johnson created a series called The Longmire Books. Amazing. So Jackson Lamb is just this human embodiment of bad habits, bad hygiene, and bad booze. He's a mess, but he's more dangerous than he appears. And he's more loyal to his Joes, that's what he calls his young agents, than one might suspect. Like if anybody messes with his people, oh, watch out. Now Gary Oldham plays him to perfection on the Apple Plus series, which is also a must watch. I've really liked that series. Now I'll be upfront with you. This is a slow burn kind of series. The main hero doesn't punch someone at the end of every chapter. And I like those books too. Don't get me wrong. I like a book where like something dramatic happens at every chapter. There's a place for those. Of course. It's not that type of book. And, and sometimes in these books, even the good guy dies. Like even characters that you're like, oh, that's a main character. That person will never die. Even that person dies. But Heron hides intrigue in every sentence, and he progresses the plot in such a superb way. Add this one to your list. Number four, Mad World, an oral history of new wave artists and songs that define the 1980s by Laurie Majeski and Jonathan Bernstein. Who would have guessed that two of my favorite books this year would be music-based? This one combined two things I love, 1980s music, and number two, oral history. I was born in 1975, so I was just discovering my own taste in music in the late 80s. And I missed most of the New Way movement, but there was enough of it still lingering around by the time I started paying attention to the radio that I picked up on it, and I, I, I enjoyed it. And I love books that interview hundreds of people and then weave the narratives into a historical format. I've probably read five or six that do that. I read one on HBO that did that. I'd read one on Saturday Night Live. I read one on ESPN and SportsCenter. I love that format. I also really enjoyed how the authors formatted this book. So what they did was they made a list of the best New Wave songs, and then they did a chapter on each one, and they would interview the musicians who made them. So they just went step by step by step going, okay, here's this song. Here's how it came about. Here's the fights they had. Here's why the band broke up. It was, real. It was like VH1 behind the music on steroids. And each chapter also included a list of songs similar to the main song which they were writing about, which means this book gives you a well-thought-out list of hundreds and hundreds of songs. You buy a book, but you also get this amazing playlist of songs to go find. It sent me down so many fun rabbit holes. The backstories of each song are fascinating. For instance, in the chapter on the song Hold Me Now by the Thompson Twins, you know that one, Hold Me Now? It's fantastic. They come to a pivotal point in their career. Like the Thompson twins come to this moment where they had to deliberately choose if they were really going to go for it. Here's what they said. We decided that we must have a solid idea. We wrote almost a manifesto and said, instead of hoping or pretending to be pop stars, 
we're actually going to be pop stars. We're going to treat it as a serious job. If we haven't had a major hit in the next 12 months and been on top of the pops, then we failed in our intentions and can go back to being experimental musicians. It seemed like an interesting thing to do, not because we were hell-bent on being famous, but it seemed like the serious way of approaching that task. It was the template for everything we did over the next three albums. Isn't that an amazing quote? I mean, as a fan of goals, it was interesting for me to see so many successful musicians use goals to build their careers. None of it happened accidentally. If you grew up listening to this type of music, or maybe you fell in love with it via revivals like Stranger Things, check this one out. The fifth final book was Zen and the Art of Writing by Ray Bradbury. He's best known for his books Fahrenheit 451 and The Martian Chronicles, but it turns out that Bradbury is also a master teacher in the craft of writing. This is the kind of book I will return to often, especially if I ever feel stuck creatively. Sometimes because of the nature of my job, writing can start to feel like work, not play. When I get that way, my writing becomes serious, kind of stilted, and lifeless. This book was like a jolt of caffeine reminding me what a joy it is to create. Two sections stood out to me. The first is about quantity and quality. Here's what Bradbury wrote. Quantity gives experience. From experience alone can quality come. Let me say that again. Quantity gives experience. From experience alone can quality come. The older I get, the more I learn that whether it's parenting, exercising, running a business, writing books, you never get quality without quantity. The second section was about failure. Bradbury wrote, so we should not look down on work, nor look down on the 45 out of 52 stories written in our first year as failures. To fail is to give up, but you are in the midst of a moving process. Nothing fails in. All goes on. Work is done. If good, you learn from it. If bad, you learn even more. Work done and behind you is a lesson to be studied. There is no failure unless one stops. Not to work is to cease, tighten up, become nervous, and therefore destructive of the creative process. I love that. That you only fail if you stop. There is no failure unless one stops. Write that down on a post-it note. Put it up somewhere where you'll see every day in 2024. So good. Those are the five books that had the biggest impact on me in 2023. Now, if you want to read more in 2024, like maybe that's a goal for you, I suggest two things. Number one, read my book, All It Takes is a Goal. You can find it anywhere books are sold. And number two, join my Fail Proof Resolutions Challenge. It's going to be a really fun chance for you to learn exactly how to make sure you have resolutions you can accomplish. It's johnacup.com slash challenge. Both of those will slingshot you into the new year with tactical, encouraging techniques to accomplish whatever goal you care about the most. And if you're curious about the books I read, you can find me on Goodreads. Just look me up on Goodreads. I post every book I read during the year on Goodreads. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. The reviews you write are super encouraging. Here's one I saw recently from Freddie May. He just said, fun. Big capital, fun. Love this podcast. It gets me going in a good direction when I'm feeling stuck. Thanks, Don. Thank you, Freddie. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. So please make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever it is the kids are saying these days. And please write a review. I'll see you next week. Merry Christmas, by the way. And remember, all it takes is a goal. 
Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.